0: It is thursday december 29th here in draft shark studios in rochester new york welcome to our week 17 preview podcast i'm your host matt shop with me as always is jared Smol. and jared we've got a barely game on thursday night this week dallas at tennessee cowboys by 12 they're already heavy favorites in this one but tennessee already showed us how much they care about this game by basically ruling out everybody derrick henry is doubtful everybody on defense is either doubtful or already ruled out anybody truly meaningful. So, I mean, it's, it's clear that Tennessee who doesn't need this game for anything is treating it like the final game of the preseason, sitting, anybody that matters playing just enough players to make it an official NFL game. Uh, We're left to figure out exactly how to treat that fantasy wise. So I guess to start with, Let's start with the Dallas side because that's the side that's actually trying <laughs> to win the game. And the big injury news for them is that Tony Pollard is questionable and, according to Tom Pelissero, very much in doubt to play.
1: Yeah, and I don't see why Dallas would play him, right, in a game. They can... And this game still means something to Dallas. I mean, they can still theoretically win the NFC East and still even get the 2C, which they might care about, but um, you know, they can easily win this game without Tony Pollard, so I plan on not him, him not being available. That obviously helps Zeke Elliott. With Zeke, I mean, I, I think he's a nice RB two. I also wouldn't expect Alex to come out here and give him 20 carries in a game where they you know probably aren't going to need oh, him no. to carry 20 times. So I mean, I think he gets 15 or so carries, which is kind of the range he's been in most of the season, um, which is going to be enough because this Titans run defense has been good It's slumped lately anyways, and again, like you said, it's going to be a bunch of backups tonight. So I think Zeke will be efficient. I think he's a good touchdown. But I I would just be surprised if he gets a massive workload in this game.
0: I have no idea what to expect. So all I would do is not downgrade Zeke on the expectation that he gets limited work and that they go to Malik Davis because, you know, we don't know. And we've always we've seen them plenty of times give Zeke more work than we want them to. We've seen them actually play starters when games didn't really matter. So I, I wouldn't downgrade him. The exactly yeah. what to expect is impossible to say, especially because he should pick up more receiving work with Tony Pollard out of this game, too.
1: Yeah, and I didn't mean to say that he's going to see limited work, just I don't think he's going to get this, like, massive workload. Um, I think he's going to see see enough to, to be a nice fantasy play. And the thing with Dallas, like, I get people are worried about them pulling starters and a lot. They have a 26.5-point implied total, third highest of the week. So, like, if they do pull starters, it's going to be after they, they put up a bunch of points. So I would, I would not be worried about starting your Dak Prescott, your C.D. Lamb, your Dalton Schultz, you know, your usual Cowboy starters. Right. They're not
0: going to play guys for a half score, you know, 17 points and then take everybody out at halftime because this is a game that matters for them to win. So they will they should score plenty of points tonight. You know, the question also becomes how much do they pass? I would guess that we don't get a ceiling game from Dak Prescott because I think they'd rather lean on the running game than have him drop back and throw a whole lot. Because if there's one player, they certainly don't want to lose in this game. It's Dak Prescott. So you don't want to sit him back there even against backups and get him hit more often than you need to. But again, I wouldn't downgrade him for that. Just not expect the ceiling. Maybe we should have seen this coming a little bit. I was doing the underdog article yesterday morning. And Dak Prescott's Vegas numbers, like his passing yardage projection, his total yards projection, both came in well below what we were projecting for a matchup that has been past funnel this year. And, you know, the initial reaction is, okay, they just think Dallas is going to win this game easily. But I didn't really factor in oh, yeah, maybe Tennessee is going to sit a bunch of players and Vegas is already girding itself for that possibility. And the numbers have even come down further for Dak since then. So that's the only limitation. Again, just make sure that you don't overrate that limitation and sit Dak for somebody who's just not as good a play.
1: Yeah, I think you said it right. It's probably not going to be a ceiling game for these Cowboys pieces because they're not going to get pushed. But I I think they're safe bats because, you know, the, the offense should have no trouble putting points on the board for as long as they're out there. Yes. There's nobody that I'm sitting that I
0: would have otherwise been playing other than Tony Pollard if he does turn up for this game active. Agreed. On the Titans side, like I said, Derek Henry doubtful. It sounds like Hassan Haskins is going to be the first running back in. I don't know if we can expect him to take over all of the work. And frankly, I don't know how much it matters because this is not an offense where I'm going to be expecting significant fantasy points from
1: anybody. Yeah. 13.5 point implied total for the Titans. We'll see if that drops any further now that Josh you you told me Josh Dobbs was starting before the show started I didn't even know what team Josh Dobbs was on (laughs) to be honest um so he's he's going to be be under center I think (laughs) yeah so uh I mean Haskins probably gets decent volume you know 15 to 20 touches I would think um but I don't think he's going to be efficient he's not a good touchdown bet. I think you know if you need an RB3 or flex play he's an option but he's definitely not someone I'd be looking to get into fantasy lineups tonight
0: Right. If you're hard up, you can use him, but I wouldn't play him over like Deontay Foreman or even probably Zonovan Knight for the Jets.
1: Yeah, I definitely prefer Zonovan Knight. Uh, I think I, I would lean towards Foreman as well. All
0: right. And we'll get to more of those guys as we move beyond this game. But that's that's all we got for this one, right? Yes. Chicago at Detroit in a much more interesting fantasy spot Lions by six here over under 52 highest over under of the week and eight of the past nine Bears games have hit the over three of those over the 52 points that we have projected here 61 points of course between these two teams the last time they met the Lions have gone over in three of their past four games five of their past seven and 10 of 15 games this season. That included 60 points combined with Carolina last week. The lions have gone over 52 points, nine times reached it one other time. So this should be a spot where we get lots of points last week. Also broke a string of seven straight wins against the spread for the lions. Honestly, Jared, I was shocked that the lions fell behind as much as they did to Carolina, not shocked that Carolina can beat them, but shocked that it was a fairly one-sided game. Carolina
1: gained like 20 plus yards in their first like three or four runs. It was like Foreman for 30, Hubbard for 25. It was crazy. So, and the Lions run D, which um, we had been talking about as an approved unit, definitely did not play well in that game. Uh, the defense in general hasn't you know, been good. You look at the last five weeks now, they're 30th in pass defense DVOA. They're 19th in run defense DVOA. So we're, we're kind of back to where we started with Detroit. It seems like a shootout team, um, I think, I, I, on the Bears side. Justin Fields, you know, elite play, disappointed last week, but much better matchup here. He went off against the Bears first go around. I think David Montgomery is still a strong play. You know, he outcarried Clayle Herbert 16 to six in his return last week, four targets from Montgomery in that game, too. And then I think Cole Komet is a play this week, too, um, just in this game environment. The volume has been pretty good for him lately. And certainly much better conditions this week for passing
0: They were outside in frigid cold with some wind in Chicago yeah. last week, this week they're inside. And you know, that defense you mentioned for Detroit allowed 570 yards to the Panthers last week, 250 passing 320 rushing. So obviously that's great news for Justin Fields, David Montgomery and Cole commit this week. The Chicago defense might be even worse than Detroit. It's among the worst in the league. And Jared Goff yeah. has been QB seven in fantasy scoring over the past five weeks. So I'm feeling pretty good about Jared Goff this week. A little bit more iffy on some other Lions pieces.
1: Yeah, we get Goff back at home, which is nice. Um, you know, great matchup as you mentioned, against the Bears. My only question on the Detroit side is, you know, I think that they can beat Chicago on the ground or through the air. And lately, we've seen this be a, a pass-leaning offense. The, the Lions are 61% pass over the last four weeks, seventh in pass rate over-expected over that span. In the first meeting against the Bears, they were 47.5% pass. They were actually 5% pass rate over expected. So that that's the only question here, how much volume do we get from Goff? But I definitely like him because he's going to be efficient. Uh the Lions have what they have the highest implied total on the week at 29 points. Crazy to say. Um, so yeah, Goff's definitely a strong fantasy play here.
0: And I think Jamal Williams is another guy that I would play over Hassan Haskins just because this offense has been good and it is implied for so many points this week and we know how much the Lions want to give Jamal Williams the ball at the goal line.
1: Yeah, he got banged up last week i'm looking at it now. so he's not on the injury report um i mean you know he hasn't he hasn't scored in the last two games uh jamal williams averaging just 11.8 carries over the last three you know his playing time and volume has definitely dipped as deandre swifts has sort of headed in the opposite direction it's definitely a good spot for williams you know big home favorites with the big implied total i do think he's a good touchdown bet here um but i i still think the floor so i don't think you're going to get you know a ton of volume out of him this week
0: I agree. I wouldn't be looking to play Jamal Williams over other guys that I'm strongly considering. I would just take 12 Jamal Williams carries over, you know, shrug emoji (laughs) carries for Hassan Haskins. Right. That's fair. DeAndre Swift has a nice target profile for a running back, and that's what's propping up his uh, his ranking this week. But he sucked basically all season at delivering on his opportunities. 62.7% catch rate on a one-yard a dot That's a terrible number for a running back. That's like Miles Sanders a few years ago when the Eagles stopped throwing him the ball because it wasn't working out. Tied for 12th among running backs in receptions per game, which is not a great number if that's your selling point. I'm going to play Brian Robinson. I'm going to play Tyler Algier over him. I'm probably playing Zeke Elliott. I can understand the case for DeAndre Swift over Josh Jacobs in PPR with Swift's receiving profile and Jacobs in a tough matchup that we'll get to later, but I don't think I could sit somebody that I know is getting the ball like Jacobs for somebody who's just let me down all year.
1: Yeah. I, I just think Swift's. a uh... Pretty good bet for like 8 to 12 carries in this game on top of the receiving stuff. Um, you know, the game script obviously got away from Detroit last week, which which led to just not many carries in general. And, and Swift only got four of them. But um, 56% of the snaps for Swift last week was his highest snap rate since week one. Um, also had his highest route rate since week eight. So I still think he's trending in the right direction, like usage-wise and role-wise. And um, again, you know, it's, a, it's just an awesome matchup at home against the Paris defense with the highest implied total on the slate. So I, I, I like Swift and PPR. I'd be happy with him as my RB2. He's definitely someone I'm going to be looking at in DFS this week as well.
0: I think happy is a strong word for it, but I can understand the path for Swift to be that RB2. DJ Chark has, is, has moved up our rankings this morning. Um, he certainly is somebody with a low floor in case he doesn't get the targets, but they have been throwing him the ball a decent amount. Lately, since he came back from injury, he has five full games since returning from that injury that kept him out a while. He had just two catches against the Bills, but then five for 98, six for 94 and a touchdown one against the Jets, but then four for 108 last week against the Panthers. So what we've seen in his five games is two weak outings versus the tougher defenses that he faced and Mm -hmm. three really productive games against the not top defenses. And this is certainly a not top
1: defense this week. Yeah, for sure. The matchup and just the game environment is what's working in Chark's favor. Um, you know, again, the, vo- the volume has not been great. Just five targets per game over those last five. He's been running super hot efficiency wise. He has a 72% catch rate over the last five games with 18.6 yards per catch. And this is a guy throughout his career has been like in the mid 50s as far as catch rate goes, which is because he plays that downfield role. So that's the scary part with Chark. You know, you're not getting great volume. And if he you know, doesn't catch... Seventy-two percent of those, it's it's you know probably going to be a disappointing game, but um the the matchup I think puts him in play. I'd I'd consider him a boomer bust wide receiver three,
0: for sure. And I mean, if you like looking at him, certainly it's a scary profile. And if we were you know mid season. We'd be talking about DJ Chark as a sell right now, but since we're deciding for one week to try to win the championship, his quarterback's been running hot. The offense is scoring. Vegas expects lots of points from him, The matchup is terrific. So for this one week, I'm going to take a shot on him. I'm going to chase that ceiling and not worry about the floor, especially when you look at the other running back or running backs. Look at the other wide receivers around him in the rankings. It's like all of these guys. You could say, yeah, but his floor is not great. His floor is not great. His yep. floor is not great.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it's wrong to consider your matchup, too, in making a decision like this. If you think you're an underdog, you know, play someone like Chark who has the higher ceiling. But if you think you're a significant favorite, I, I might sit him in favor of someone who, you know, I can count on seven to eight targets for and in four to five catches just to get me, you know, 10 PPR points.
0: Yeah, just my caution on that would be don't overrate the certainty of targets for other guys. But um, yep. we'll get to more specific players as we move through the other games. Anybody else from this one, like Shane Zolstra?
1: <laughs> no, do not play
0: Shane Zilstra <laughs> Carolina at Tampa Bay, Bucks by three. Jared, my first question, the over-under, by the way, 39 and a half, so not expecting huge numbers from this one. But my first question for fantasy decisions is, what do we do with the Panthers running backs? My personal answer is I have no idea. Yeah. Sure.
1: Me either. Um, yeah, I think F- Dante Foreman's been a tough guy to rank really, you know, since the Christian McCaffrey trade. He's had some massive games. He's generally been pretty efficient. But the problem is first of all, he does nothing in the passing game. He has one target over his last four games. And then you know, this has turned into like a 60-40 backfield split. Over the last four games, Dante Foreman has fifty eight percent of the running back carries to thirty-six for Chuba Hubbard. Then you have you know Raheem Blackshear mixing in a little bit as well. So um, you know, the, the Panthers running game had a big one against the Bucs in that, you know, then it seemed like a super surprising Panthers win, uh, you know, about a month or two ago over Tampa, but it doesn't seem as surprising now. Uh, But both these guys had, had nice games there. Uh, They had positive game script working in their favor, which allowed them to you know carry 24 total times. That's the risk. If Tampa jumps out to a lead here that, you know, Foreman and Hubbard
0: could be duds. And That's the thing. I think rather than, look for somebody's recommendation on this one you're gonna to have to decide because it could be awesome or it could be terrible and a lot of that is going to depend on game flow here because there have been wide variations ever since deontay foreman and chuba hubbard emerged here we've had eight games now uh dante foreman has five with 20 or more carries <laughs> in that range He's been over 100 yards in four of those, went for 74 in that other one against Seattle. And he didn't score in that game, but both other Panthers backs did. So that obviously was a good spot overall for Panthers runners. But those were all in wins except for the week eight OT loss to Atlanta. That should have been a win if DJ Moore hadn't taken his helmet off. He had 11 carries or fewer in the other three games in that eight game span all losses. So if they get ahead of Tampa Bay here, and of course they did beat Tampa Bay previously, in that first big game for both running backs. So if they get ahead and Tampa Bay has not been playing well, we could certainly get lots more work for Foreman. If they fall behind early, we could get 10 carries and you're going to feel like an idiot for playing Foreman over anybody yeah. else. So you're really going to have to weigh him against your specific other options and make a decision.
1: And I don't, I don't think Tampa is good enough to jump out to a big lead here. It's yeah. so like, I, I do think Foreman probably gets 15 carries you know with the upside for for 20 for me it's just the, the lack of passing game usage really hurts him in ppr like he's he's a much better play even in half ppr and definitely in non-ppr but for, for me in ppr like he's just an rb3 or flex play
0: yeah i think it's easier to make the upside case if you're comparing him with, with like Isaiah Pacheco or J.K. Dobbins, guys that have similar concerns where you're just guessing at who has the best ceiling this week. Um, but yeah, if you're comparing him with somebody who has the receiving upside, it's tough to play. It's tough to play Deontay Foreman over DeAndre Swift, even though I don't like DeAndre Swift.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Foreman and Dobbins, th- that's a good comp for this week. Even Pacheco has uh, some passing game role that, that would make me lean towards him pretty easily over Dr Foreman.
0: Bucks are two and three since they're by, they've reached 20 points once in that span. They needed overtime on Monday to beat, oh, I'm sorry, Sunday night to beat trace McSorley. They beat the saints by one point in that span. They lost to the Browns. They got pounded by the Niners and Bengals. So like Jared was saying, I don't think this team is good enough to jump out to a big lead on anybody right now, either. They've also turned the ball over 11 times in the past four games versus just five takeaways. So they've been sloppy. If that happens, that could certainly swing Uh, game flow in the favor of the Panthers and their running backs. Sam Darnold, his yardage prop has climbed since yesterday when I was doing that underdog article, which, by the way, is free on draftsharks.com right now, so you can go see some highlighted plays. He hasn't thrown more than 24 passes in a game yet this year. I would bet on him hitting a season high in that particular category. I don't think it matters for Sam Darnold for fantasy, but I think it's an upside
1: spot for DJ Moore. Yeah, this is the fifth run heaviest offense over the last four weeks in terms of pass rate over expected. Yeah, it's definitely how the Panthers want win. Now, Moore is you know, Moore has a 26-plus percent target share in three of Sam Darnold's four starts. So, you know, Darnold is looking his way, and that, you know, that's what, what's kept – Moore's fantasy value of flow, but beyond the fact that he's, he's just good and he's actually been efficient so far with Sam Darnold. So yeah, Moore's is another guy where the floor is kind of low because you could get a five target game. If Carolina only has to throw it, you know, 20 times. Um, but, but I'm with you. I, I do think we probably get a bit more passing volume here with the the Panthers underdogs.
0: And it helps that we are betting on a good player who has been getting really good target share since Sam Darnold took over. Yep. On the buck side. It's hard to ignore the names when you're deciding between Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and other guys at those Mm -hmm. positions, but we really have to look at how they've been faring. Mike Evans, nine for 96 on 15 targets in the first meeting with Carolina a while ago, six for one twenty-three the next game against Baltimore. But then from week nine on, he's averaging eight targets, four catches and 48.6 yards per game. He has a 50% catch rate in that span, 6.1 yards per target. 20th in expected PPR points per game among wideouts in that time, 60th in actual PPR points per game.
1: Yeah. I've been chasing Mike Evans in DFS for like a month now. I, I don't have a ton of him in season long, but I've definitely been you know chasing him in DFS. I, I might do it again. Honestly, um, like you said, the usage has been okay. He had a nice game against Carolina um, earlier this season. JC Horn is out for this game and, you know, would have been one of Evan's primary matchups on the outside. Definitely not a must start, Mike Evans, but, um, you know, still sits inside like low-end wide receiver two territory in our ranks. He's a guy I'd be, you know, okay with starting. Just because, like you said, the usage has still been pretty good for him.
0: Yeah, like when I look at the wide receiver rankings, I want to move Mike Evans down. And then you look at the guys behind him and it's like, ah, all right, I guess I can't really move him down. The mark in his favor, no JC Horn for the Panthers, their top corners out. He broke a wrist last week, had surgery, definitely out for this game. We'll see um, beyond that. So that's a mark in his favor. Leonard Fournette, fairly easy play after clearly leading the backfield in week 16. 20 more
1: snaps than Rashad White, 13 more carries, six more targets. Yeah, Fournette is sixth among running backs and expected fantasy points over the last two weeks. So, you know, that fact alone kind of makes him tough to bench. It is a tough matchup. Carolina third in football outsiders, run defense DVOA over the last five weeks. And Carolina held Rashad White and Leonard Fournette to just 43 rushing yards on 3.1 yards per carry earlier this season. So I, I, I still don't expect an efficient rushing day for the Bucs running backs. But, you know, Fournette probably gets his 10 to 15 carries. And just the passing game usage for Fournette especially, um, you know, has just continued to be there. And I think it's tough to use White unless
0: you really need to. He's not a target player for me. Yeah. Yep, agreed. Uh, We did, by the way, the NFL guys are now saying that Tony Pollard is expected to be inactive tonight, so we won't have to make a decision on him. Mike Garofolo says breakout week coming for Malik Davis. Now, the way he's talking about it, it sounds more like somebody that's hearing from the team that they really like him and creating his own path for Malik (laughs) Davis, as opposed to somebody in his ear saying Malik Davis is getting the ball a lot tonight because he did not specifically
1: tweet that out from what I can see. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying with Zeke. Like, I, I, I don't think they're gonna load him up for you know 20 plus carries. I think Zeke's probably gonna get his 15 or so carries. He'll he'll be fine. He's a nice fantasy play. I think Davis is just gonna get whatever's kind of left over.
0: Showdowns tonight. That's where Malik Davis can be a strong option, though. For sure. On to Denver at Kansas City Chiefs by 13 and a half over under 45. This one, of course, the last meeting. The Chiefs jumped out to a 27-0 lead. We all thought the game was over. The Broncos <laughs> stormed back with four passing touchdowns. Three of those to Jerry Judy, the last after Russell Wilson had suffered a concussion. This time, though, Broncos are implied for just 15.75 points. So I'm going to go ahead and bet against the Denver offense as opposed to betting
1: on anything that we saw in that first meeting. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the game against the Rams on Christmas, it's tough to feel good about anything in this Bronx. I mean, Jerry Judy continues to get it done. Now, Judy, it sounds like he left practice early on Wednesday with what what what's on the injury report is an ankle I and mean, he had the you know he's had ankle issues in the past so that's worth keeping an eye on um you know, judy was the only guy i felt good about in this offense if he's out i do think Cortland sutton becomes interesting just as a you know pure target play we, we did see sutton get seven targets a 20 percent target share in his return from a hamstring injury last week his playing time he was full go in terms of playing time so um you know, we'll, we'll see where the judy thing goes. Um, And I would, you know, think Sutton would climb my rankings, you know, five to 10 spots that Judy ends up sitting.
0: Yeah, I could see that, and we'll see about the injury. Like you said, I let my family turn on a movie instead of watching that rams Broncos (laughs) game on Christmas, to be honest. Smart, smart. Elsewhere in this offense, I think the only other guys that you would consider are Judy if he's ready, and obviously we'll have to watch that. Greg Dulcich, who didn't practice at all Wednesday because of a hamstring injury. So if he continues to trend in that direction, he'll be easy to sit. I would love to not play anything from this, like, already quit on everything team.
1: Yeah, such left late in that Rams game with the hamstrings. I'm not expecting him to play. I mean, the other guy to consider here is Latavius Murray, who I do think so. Ch- Chase Edmonds ended up playing a lot last week. I went back and looked, and almost all of his touches came in garbage time. And, you know, Denver was already down multiple scores. So I do still think Murray is the clear lead back here and in play as an RB3 if you need him.
0: And this is absolute garbage time, completely for Denver. Like some teams, you would say, "Oh, the the coach is out. Maybe the team rebounds here." But all of the reports out of Denver are not the players hate Nathaniel Hackett. It's the players hate Russell Wilson. So he's still there. I don't have a reason to believe that Denver's going to mentally rebound this week. Agreed. On the Chiefs side, I mean, the plays are obvious. I think the one thing to warn against is overrating. Uh, your concern for Juju Smith Schuster last week because he had the three catches for 27. Yeah. There was no change in his role. We had only 51 total plays from the chiefs. We had just 16 of 28 for 224 yards passing from Mahomes yeah. in that one. Last time these two teams met, we had nine for 74 and a touchdown for Juju. So I'm, I'm still playing yeah. him fairly comfortably.
1: Yeah, something I probably even underrated last week. Cause you know, I, I was on Juju Smith's truce here as a, as a cash game play. It's just Seattle's defense has been tough against wide receivers all season. Um, so that was just you know not an easy matchup for Juju. Um, so yeah, I still feel good about him. It does look like McCall Hardman's going to make his return this week. Um, they're just worth keeping an eye on his role, you know, maybe as we get ahead looking towards these playoff contests. Um, but I would not trust him in his first game back. And I still think Juju is, is a pretty solid target, but. Yeah, I don't think
0: Nicole Hartman's taking snaps away from Juju. And we'll have to watch his status. We'll have to watch reports on him because we're not going to get status updates via right. practice reports because he's not on the active roster yet. Correct. Anything else from that game?
1: No, I think um, status quo in the backfield where, you know, is going to be the lead ball. Kerry McKinnon still playing a valuable role in the passing game. And also, you know, he, he scored another touchdown last week. He continues to be the guy they're looking to in the red zone.
0: Agreed. So actually we've got a specific question to this backfield from Scott McCaffrey on YouTube. He's got, he's a 24 point favorite in the finals in a 10 team PPR league. He's got McKinnon. He's got Tyler Algier. He's got Leonard Fournette wondering whether to play Algier or Fournette for a higher floor versus Jarek McKinnon, since the upside might not
1: be as important in this matchup. So it sounds like he needs two of them. I mean, Fournette, Fournette to me is the first guy in just with, with the safest role. I, I still lean McKinnon over Algier in full PPR. I mean, I, I like Algier this week, but I mean, there's a chance he gets 15 carries for 80 yards, doesn't score a touchdown. And, you know, that's that's eight points. I think McKinnon can beat that just on his passing game role alone. Well, Algier also
0: clearly led the backfield in receiving last week. I know it's one yeah. week and it could easily change again this week. So I, 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 I really like the upside on Algier this week. You know, it's tough to say what will happen this week because we don't have a long record of what to expect. All we have is the past two yeah. weeks, he's been ahead. My guess is that continues this week because why go back to Cordero Patterson this week after two straight of Tyler Tyler Algier playing well? But, you know, it's just a guess. And Jarek McKinnon has been pretty good to you PPR-wise in recent weeks. And it hasn't been with the Chiefs playing from behind. So, I mean... i i honestly i'm I'm not sure what i would do
1: at the moment in my own lineup for ppr you're in good shape either way i think scott you know all three of those guys are top 16 running backs in their rankings i i don't think any of them are going to really let you down
0: yeah i agree there is no definitely this guy is out for me among those it certainly helps mckinnon that he is uh, a patrick mahomes um running back exactly Indy at the Giants next game here, Giants by five and a half over under of 38 and a half. And I believe in that low over under for this game for the Indy offense. I don't think Nick Foles can be as bad as he was Monday night against the Chargers. He graded out worse in that game than Malik Willis has lately than Desmond Ritter has. If he does play that bad again, I've got to think that they yank him before this game is over. Still, the way that he played certainly hurts the outlook for Michael Pittman.
1: Yeah, why did the Colts lean pass in that game? I mean, they, they'd been run heavy under Jeff Saturday. That's a run funnel matchup against the Chargers, and they, they were plus three pass right over expected last week. So that was surprising to see. Um, that that hurt, hurt Zach Moss, who, you know, he, he didn't do much for you if you used him last week, but he got 12 of 13 running back carries you know, after dominating backfield work the previous week after Jonathan Taylor left. Moss played 69% of the offensive snaps. He also he only got one target last week, but he also led the backfield pass routes at, uh, at 46%. And this Giants run defense, we talked about it last week, um, it just ha- has not been good for a while now. So, um, you know, Zach Moss is another guy kind of in that RB3 mix. I would use Zach Moss over Hassan Haskins.
0: Yes, I would do that as well. It seems like Jeff Saturday runs this offense, and I'm assuming that he's running or at least piloting the offense it seems like he runs it like a guy who kind of is an nfl fan like thinks that he knows a lot about football but doesn't really know as much as he thinks and he's telling himself all week we've got to push the ball downfield we've got to make deep passes so he goes in the game like we're gonna establish this in the game i don't care what's happening and then despite nick Foles going out there and his arm saying oh it's not gonna happen guys He still sticks with it, trying to make it happen, even though the game was close into the second half. It was, it's like, it's frustrating to watch even without having any horses in the race. Like, I don't have anything to root for on that side, but it's just frustrating to watch a team clearly trying to do something that it can't do instead of just going with the thing that has been working and against the thing that that defense is weak against you know zach moss i agree there's upside this week i would love to say he's a real option but we don't know after the way he was used on monday night um five yards over five yards per carry in that game against the chargers this is a positive matchup against the giants so if he does get used um there's upside to him but we'll have to see if the coaches say anything about that changing
1: yeah, hopefully he can do better than Zach Moss. But again, I do think he he's you know gonna get 15 plus touches in this game, so he's an option. And then and then Michael Pittman, you know, wide receiver three, boring wide receiver three played. I mean, he did see a 24% target share last week from Nick Foles. You know, he's kind of been around that mark regardless of who's been under center for Indy. So um, you know, he he's a okay volume bet, just tough to get excited about any sort of upside with Michael Pittman.
0: That near silent 24% target share. I'm not even sure all those targets actually were near him. Um, yeah, the out. only other guy I think worth mentioning, there's no practice for Kylan Granson still on Wednesday who missed that game. I think if he continues to sit, it makes Jelani Woods mildly interesting. Obviously, if there was any good quarterback play, we could call him for real interesting. But yep. you know, if you're scraping for a tight end, there's some upside here.
1: Yeah, in desperation play, something to consider in D F S. you know, the Giants have been bad against tight ends this season. We just saw T J Hawkinson have a massive game against them. So yeah, woods is, woods is in play. Hopefully you can
0: do better. On the Giants side, the Colts defense is coming off two straight positive performances against the Vikings and the Chargers. It's kind of easy to overlook that the defense actually played well for nearly all of that game against the Vikings because of the Minnesota comeback. But they tied the Eagles for eighth best defensive DVOA uh, that week that they lost that game to Minnesota. Not a high upside spot for anybody on the Giants offense, I don't think. I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if this game goes under yeah. the total we've had four of the past six giants games go over but a lot of that has been the opponents lions cowboys eagles vikings all score plenty of points and i i don't think that the colts are capable of doing that
1: yeah this definitely feels like a 20 to 10 game um so yeah daniel jones he was quarterback 10 last week you know and as you said you know, turned into a shootout against minnesota he has been a top 11 fantasy quarterback in four of his last six games now so you know, that that's that 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 makes him an option. I think you know they're, they're I'd rather play Gardner Minshew among guys that that might be available on your waiver wire. Uh, but you know Jones does does check in like you know, at the bottom of the top twelve in our rankings this week. Yes, I would chase upside in a guy like Gardner
0: Minshew over Daniel Jones, but I th- I like Daniel Jones better than Aaron Rodgers, and I would feel okay if Daniel Jones is my quarterback this week. Yep, agreed. Anything else from that game?
1: We should talk about the wide receivers, I guess. I mean the the target distribution between Slayton Hodgins and James, it's, it's been pretty equal uh, over the last four games. Now It's actually Richie James leading with 29 targets. Isaiah Hodgins, 27, Darius Slayton, 24. So they're all like, you know, wide receiver four plays. Again, it just doesn't feel like a game where they're going to need to do a whole lot of passing. Yeah. And I mean,
0: if you're asking who's going to be the guy among them, no idea. Cause it's not like this guy is leading the way. The thing that Darius Slayton has over the other two is that his work comes downfield. So he yeah. needs, less to go right for him to produce he just needs to make the catch and he's going to outscore these guys obviously yes. the fact that he goes further downfield makes him a flimsier bet to make those catches so it all kind of balances out to where if you need a Giants receiver any of them could be fine none of them is exciting yeah Slayton's beginning the downfield where Hodgins has been getting a lot of the red zone work though so that's kind of what's working in his favor Jacksonville at Houston Jaguars by four and a half over under a 43 and a half. Houston has been a negative scoring matchup for passing games. I think everybody's pretty much aware of that at this point. Second worst for QB scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed fourth worst for wide receiver scoring neutral for a tight end. So maybe we get another Evan Ingram week, but Jared, is this a matchup that we actually adjust things down for Jaguars
1: passing game pieces? No, I'm not adjusting down. At this point with Houston, I'm not adjusting up. I'm just sort of treating it as a neutral matchup. I mean, the, the reason Houston was a bad matchup for most of the season is just because teams were running against them so much. They're actually fourth in pass defense TVOA over the last five weeks now. You know, they they have been playing better. I, I'm I'm just not betting against Trevor Lawrence at this point, though. I mean, we just saw him deliver against the Jets in bad weather, you know, against a tough defense. Now he had the rushing touchdown, which is what sort of got him there. But like, that's part of his game too. He's been giving you 20 to 30 rushing yards per game. So I'd feel good if Trevor Lawrence was my starter this week.
0: Yes, I agree. I don't think it's a matchup to downgrade good passing game pieces. And if you look at the single game DVOA ratings from football outsiders for the Houston defense, you see wide swings in their performance by matchups here. A big part of them being tough on the pass is that it's so easy to run against them and that it's so easy to beat them. They have faced the most rushing attempts in the league. They're 30th in scoring They're last in offensive yards. So you get way ahead. You just run. There's really no reason yep. to force passing on them. Most of the time so like I said no downgrade for Trevor Lawrence I'm not downgrading Christian Kirk or Zay Jones here either big upgrade for sure for Travis yeah. Etienne and really I just have my fingers crossed Jared that we get a huge Jaguars offensive game because I got lots of these guys at play for some big money this weekend
1: yeah good matchup to have a lot of Jags I, I think they'll put up points in this game you know Etienne and Ingram are I think you know both elite plays at their positions, I mean, the volume Ingram has been getting, 40 targets over his last four games. The one thing I'll say about Christian Kirk, Houston has been the third toughest matchup for slot receivers this season. They, they held Kirk to just one catch on three targets in their first meeting. Now, Kirk, Kirk still plays like a third of his snaps on the outside. I think he'll be fine. Maybe that's a reason to push targets towards Zay Jones, towards Evan Ingram in this matchup.
0: And for what it's worth, this offense doesn't need Christian Kirk to be a leader. So there are other offenses where you'll say, yeah, they're going to find spots to get him the ball. We've seen from Jacksonville. They're okay If Christian Kirk gets shut down, they can just go to Evan Ingram. They can go to Travis Etienne on the ground. They can go to Zay Jones and they'll be all right in this matchup. And, you know, you mentioned the first meeting And that might give people some pause. The Jags only scored six points in that one. They lost that game at home to Houston, but they also had 422 yards of offense, their largest total to that point. Since then, they've had three more games of more than 420 yards. Lawrence is playing much better now than he was at that point. He's got three games of more than 290 passing since, in five games since thereby. No practice for him Wednesday, but it's just managing the toe injury at this point. I don't think there's any reason to worry about him playing in this game. And the other lingering question that we haven't addressed yet is we already saw Tennessee say, we don't need this week. We're going to rest a whole bunch of people. Jacksonville's in the same spot where they don't need this game. Everything yeah. for them rides on whether they beat Tennessee next week. But Doug Peterson, direct quote, said this week, There is never a meaningless game. Never, ever, ever, ever. We play to win every game. And the only way I rest players is if they're hurt and can't go. So we've seen coaches say things and not totally mean them before. I can't say a hundred percent that that means everybody plays the game healthy, but all I can do right now is trust that Doug Peterson means that and expect that everybody plays here unless they get an enormous lead. And, you know, if we get to that point, then our guys have probably already paid off.
1: Yeah, the other thing with Jacksonville, which I do think matters, they have like a six percent chance. I think it is to get a wild card spot, even if they don't end up winning the, the AFC South. Whereas, you know, Tennessee, it's either AFC South title or they're out. So, you know, th- this game is not totally meaningless for Jacksonville. You know, it's six percent, but I, I'm I'm not resting, guys, even even for a six percent chance. Yeah.
0: Give us the points, Dougie. We need them this week, Arizona at Atlanta Falcons by three and a half over under 42. The game total says don't overrate the offensive upside of this one. And I certainly agree with that, but it's a great spot for some key players for our fantasy lineups. So we'll start with James Connor, who's tops among Cardinals, I think is a fantasy option here. You got to smile if you have him in your lineup this week. And Jared, it might be a week to smile about DeAndre Hopkins as well.
1: Yeah. Arizona gets Colt McCoy back and, you know, he's a legitimate NFL starter whereas you know, or NFL qu- quarterback, NFL quarterback, he's, you he, he can, he can move the ball. He can complete passes. Trace, Trace McSorley can. I mean, Colt McCoy has a 71% completion rate with the Cardinals over the last two seasons. Um, and yeah, especially for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Hopkins averaged 12.3 targets in Colt McCoy's three games this season. Now two of those came without Hollywood Brown. So you know I don't, I don't expect that level of volume, but I do think Hopkins is going to get targeted. Which he did last week, by the way. What he had like nine targets, caught one of them. Yeah. Um, he'll he'll be he'll be much more efficient with Colt McCoy, I think, in this matchup especially. Hopkins is a pretty pretty easy
0: fantasy starter this week. Yeah, his other two games with Colt McCoy this year, since Kyler Murray went down, which is with Marquise Brown back, it, he's had eleven targets, seven catches in each of them. So, like DeAndre Hopkins this week, I can't say that I really like Marquise Brown there's always the talent upside for him and his targets have been yeah. okay, but I don't know that they're going to have a whole lot of passing volume overall in this game, you know, unless Atlanta somehow manages to get out to a lead and Greg Dorch got a lot last <laughs> week. And I would say let's throw that one out because it was one trace McSorley game and they're trying to protect him. but we've seen Arizona load up their slot receivers all season. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe we don't get that
1: many targets from Marquise Brown here. Yeah, and Brown's playing time was down last week, um, 72% of the routes. And he had the groin injury. He also said um, Cliff Kingsbury was disciplining him after he was late to a team meeting. Uh, so, I, I mean, I I don't love Hollywood Brown. I think he's, he's a wide receiver three. I mean, he, he had eight targets in that one game with Colt McCoy this season. I think, you know, that's a reasonable expectation. But I would definitely not trust Greg Dorch. Um, he had, what do you, I think he had one total target in his two games prior to last week. I, I think he played more because of the Marquise Brown situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, um, Arizona goes back to, you know, playing that AJ Green, Robbie Anderson combo on the outside and using, you know, Marquise Brown more in the slot this week. Yeah. AJ Green was out Wednesday
0: with an illness. So we'll see if that affects his status for Sunday. But I would, I also would not be surprised if we get not any Greg Dorch in this game. I'm certainly not playing Greg Dorch. I think I would probably play DJ Chark over Marquise Brown chasing the upside, though.
1: That's reasonable. Again, that's where I might look to you know my matchup. I like I do think Brown's a better target bet. I definitely think Chark has more upside, though.
0: On um, the Falcon's side, Tyler Algier, Drake London both look pretty good this week. Algier ahead of Cordero Patterson in playing time, carries, and pass routes last week. Two straight strong yardage games for him. And the one last week came against Baltimore. So that makes me especially confident might be a strong word, but I feel good about Tyler Algier versus the other things we have to go with at running back.
1: Yeah, this is just a major mismatch. I mean, Atlanta's running game has been good all season. They're um, third in rush offense DVOA over the last five weeks, Arizona 28th in rush defense DVOA. So I, I uh, it's a great spot for Atlanta's running game. It does look like Algier's kind of emerges as, as the clear leader here. It's still a committee Patterson's still involved, but Algier, uh, season highs in back-to-back weeks with 17 and then 18 carries. As you said, he had the five targets last week. Um, he's, really, he's playing really well. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry over his last five games. And he's fifth among 57 qualifiers in PFF rushing grade over that span. Algier also has four carries inside the five-yard line over the past two weeks for just one for uh, Patterson. So he's kind of been the clear goal line guy lately. So you know everything lines up in his favor. I still don't think you're going to get a ton of work in the passing game just because the line is not throwing a whole lot. But um, I, I think that the rushing ceiling here is, is high for Algier.
0: Yeah, I agree. And for, you know, the team that we said is going to run the ball a lot. 17 and 18 carries for Algier the past two weeks with Patterson, you know, plenty involved as well. Cardinals are the fifth best scoring matchup for running backs by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So great spot. We expect the work. I uh, like Tyler Algier this week and Drake London, three straight games of nine plus targets, six plus receptions and 70 plus yards Two of those games with Desmond Ritter, and over that three-game span, London has seen 38.6% target share. So he's one of those floor PPR plays in wide receiver three range if you're you know, looking at guys like Marquise Brown DJ Chark and feeling iffy, I think.
1: Yeah, Desmond Ritter was a little better last week against a pretty solid Baltimore defense. He completed 67% of his passes, still just 6.6 yards per attempt. He was 25th in PFF passing grade on the week. So again, better, still not great. You need London to keep getting like 30% of Atlanta's targets to be a solid fantasy play. I I feel pretty good betting on that being the case. So just cause there's no one else to throw to. Yeah. If we had
0: good quarterback play or good passing volume here, I think Drake London would be like wide receiver 20 with what he's oh, yeah. doing lately. But given what we do have, I think that's what makes him a, a
1: floor, you know, mid to low wide receiver three. He's eighth among receivers and expected fantasy points over the past two weeks. Just, you know, showing you that the level of volume he's getting mm-hmm. Miami at new England Patriots by two and a half over under 41 yep.
0: and a half. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback for the dolphins after the third concussion of the season for Tua Tanga We'll see about him for week 18, but that won't matter for most fantasy folks. I think Bridgewater's probably not a downgrade, and it's possible that he's an upgrade from what we've gotten lately from Tua. Past three weeks have delivered three of Tua's four worst PFF grades of the season. His other came back in week one against the Patriots. He's 29th in PFF passing grade over the past three weeks among 31 quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks. He's been worse than Zach Wilson, worse than Russell Wilson, worse than Derek Carr, worse than Colt McCoy in that category. So, we're going from a, a quarterback that's been playing poorly to a quarterback that has at least been okay in mm-hmm. some relief duty this year.
1: Yeah, Bridgewater is a is a viable NFL quarterback. He's averaged eight point seven yards per attempt in in that you know brief duty with the Dolphins this season. I mean, you're just trusting the, the scheme and the weapons. I I I'm not really downgrading Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell for the quarterback change. Yeah, and it's been a neutral
0: scoring matchup for quarterbacks by adjusted fantasy points allowed. Second worst scoring matchup. For running backs by the same measure, so yep. I mean that only further helps. I think the upside for the
1: Dolphins' passing game for sure. Yeah, and the backfield's tough to figure out. I mean, it's just been going back and forth who leads. It's going to be a committee. We know you know Jeff Wilson and Raheem Most are going to be involved. Would you play Hassan Haskins over these Dolphins running backs? Oh God! <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, no I, I think that's I think that's the range that you should be considering Miami running backs at this point, though, considering the usage and this matchup.
0: I honestly think I would probably play a Miami running back just because I believe in that offense more than I believe in tonight's Tennessee offense. And I, you know, yeah. again, I have no idea how much Haskins is going to carry the ball. We're all assuming he's going to be a lead back, but yeah. I mean, if he carries 15 times to 12 for Julius chestnut, then we're going to be like, what the hell was that?
1: Yeah. I, I might lean the same direction. Just, I mean, cause both these backs can rip off a long play. I think they're both better touchdown bets than Hassan Haskins is. So I, I might lean in the Dolphins running back direction too if that's the decision you're making though just know that we're all completely (laughs) guessing on this yeah and congrats for um making it to your
0: title game with that type of decision you're right patriots uh jacoby myers is fine the targets have been there he was lucky to score for fantasy owners last week though 48 yard touchdown catch off of a teammate's hands
1: yeah fine i think is, is the word i mean i still don't want to trust anything in this patriots passing game they had a good second half that was just a weird game Total domination by the Bengals in the first half. The Bengals kind of laid down and let the Patriots back in it. But um yeah, I mean Myers is Myers is okay. He's the best target back. He did get back to a hundred percent of the routes last week after being limited off the concussion back in week uh fifteen. So that makes him a bit easier to trust. And then otherwise, you know, the Stevenson let you down. If you survive though, i definitely stick with him. Um he played ninety-one percent of the snaps last week and ran a route on seventy-five percent of the pass play. So he's still getting, you know. Like James Conner level playing time, um, so it's to me he's still an easy starter. And Damian Harris was not back for that game though, right? He wasn't. He was limited again in Wednesday's practice, which he's been for a few weeks now. Um, so we'll see if he makes it back for this one. You know, b- big game, obviously. Um, that would knock Stevenson down, you know, a few spots in the rankings. But you know, to me, he'd still be like a high end RB two, even if Harris returns for this one.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Nothing else from that game, right? Nope. Cleveland at Washington, Commanders by two over under 40 and a half. Nick Chubb, first player to worry about on the Cleveland side, the third worst scoring matchup for running backs by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry have been the only two running backs to reach 80 rushing yards against Washington this season. Barkley did so in just one of his two meetings with the team. Derrick Henry averaged 3.6 yards per carry in his 102-yard game against Washington. So it's been a bad matchup for running backs. The Washington rushing DVOA is down the past two weeks, so I think that makes it not a must-bench spot for Nick Chubb, but he's certainly in low RB2 territory.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's fair just because this offense is struggling. Chubb has not been his usual efficient self. I wonder if that foot issue that's been on the injury report for the past couple weeks is something to do with that. I mean, he's only averaging four yards per carry over his last four games. This is a guy who you know, consistently is five-plus yards per carry. Um, he is still averaging 19 carries over the last four. This game should stay close enough, where I do think you're going to get enough volume for Chubb or he's not going to kill you. Um, but this definitely doesn't look like an upside spot for him.
0: Yeah, I would play Tyler Algier easily ahead of him. i play Brian Robinson over him. I would play Josh Jacobs also in a negative uh, matchup because Josh Jacobs at least gets receiving as well.
1: Yeah, it, Robinson for sure, Algier probably. We'll, we'll get to Jacobs. Um, I, I'm waiting if we get any reports on Sunday that they're going to like scale back Jacobs' workload at this point because there's no reason for it. Them to be, you know, giving him twenty five touches a game, but you know, we'll see. Again, haven't heard anything to to say that's going to be the case.
0: I mean, there's also no reason to save him because he has no contract for next year.
1: Yeah, I, I, th- I mean, I don't know. I think there's a chance they end up bringing him back, though. Yeah, but you're
0: not saving him for the free agent market. I mean, if anything, you wear him down further, and then you sign him for less money. <laughs> <laughs> Cruel. You're so cruel. I mean, it's a business. So if they liked him that much, they would have gone ahead and extended for that year so that they didn't let him hit the open market. But, you know, we'll watch and see what's said. Maybe there's some like, Oh, let's see if Zamir white is any good at football, but certainly the usage so far doesn't says it doesn't say that they're excited about him at all. And there's nobody else in the backfield. That's like a maybe for the future guy. So I'm not currently concerned at all about Josh Jacobs's outlook for touches. To the Browns, wide receivers, David Njoku both look fine at their levels, I think. Yep. It's not an exciting spot though, because Deshaun Watson has yet to do anything good. Correct.
1: Yeah, it's a tough matchup for Njoku, too. Um, Washington third in adjusted or tenth in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, third in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. But um you know twenty targets for Njoku over the last three games with Deshaun Watson. I think he's good enough to beat any matchup. So he, he's still a pretty um, solid tight end one, I think, this week.
0: On the Washington side, Antonio Gibson had no practice Wednesday listed with foot and knee issues. He's been listed with the foot since week 13, but that was the last week that he actually missed a practice. So we'll watch this one and see about his status. Either way, I think it's a great spot for Brian Robinson this week.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, 18 plus carries in three of his last four games for Brian Robinson. um, Cleveland continues to struggle against the run. They're 30th and adjusted points allowed two running backs and you know Washington's favorite in this game it should be a spot where they can get Brad Robinson you know 18 to 22 carries
0: yeah I, he is one of my favorite plays on underdog right now um you know again check the free underdog article on draftsharks.com you can see 17 highlighted plays for this week you can certainly keep checking back as well they'll keep adding more to the pick them bin on underdog. You can check with our rankings to see who stands out um, as the best over or under bets. But Brian Robinson's still at 64 and a half yards for rushing. And that's right where he was last week against the Niners, where we had him as an under because it was a terrible matchup. This is a terrific matchup. And even last week, he got. 22 carries in a game where the rushing was not working. So they want to give Brian Robinson the ball. I know that when Carson Wentz was starting at the beginning of the season, they were much more of a pass leaning team. They didn't have Brian Robinson for that stretch. He came back right at the end of when Carson Wentz was starting and still didn't really get up to full speed. Like he has been the past few games till after Carson Wentz hit IR. So I would expect that this team is going to stay similar on offense and only up the passing volume if they somehow fall behind this Cleveland
1: team. Yeah, I I expect the same, especially in this matchup. Cleveland's actually second in uh, Football Outsiders' pass defense TVOA over the last five weeks, 26th against the run. So it definitely looks like a run-funnel matchup, and I I do think that's how Washington's going to want to play, even with Wentz back under center.
0: Aaron McLaurin, the QB switch is definitely not good. I mean, we'll see if that changes, but he had 16% target share with Carson Wentz around early in the season. And we were talking every
1: week about how it was just being spread evenly among the top three wideouts. Yeah, McLaurin was 50th among receivers and expected fantasy points per game with Carson Wentz. He was 16th with Taylor Heineke. I mean, it was what a six game game sample with Wentz. Like, I don't want to get too crazy on it. Even last week though, Wentz comes in, he only targets McLaurin on one of his 16 passes. So, I mean, I think you definitely have to downgrade McLaurin for the quarterback change. I don't I don't think it takes him out of fantasy consideration, but I definitely think it's it's bad news.
0: Yeah, I would not I don't say sit Terry McLaurin, but if everything were the same as it has been since t- uh, Taylor Heineke took over, he'd be sitting probably 15th or so in our rankings yeah. as it is. He's 25th, I believe, in the PPR ranks. Yep, agreed. What else do we have from that game? I just clicked over to our rankings. Oh, oh, Dotson. I guess we talk about Jahan Dotson and maybe Curtis Samuel. Dotson yeah. is the one who's been coming up to McLaurin in targets
1: over the past couple games, even before the switch yeah. back to Carson Wentz. Yeah. Dotson leads Washington in targets over the last three games with 24 of them, 23% target share. Now he, he was productive with Carson Wentz over the first four games. It was kind of fluky though. He had four touchdowns in those four games. He only averaged, five and a half targets per game on a 13% target share. But I think later in the season now for a rookie, you know, he's he's more entrenched in the offense. I, I do think um, Dotson is in play. And I, I don't think the quarterback change can be bad news for him, just considering, you know, Wentz probably isn't going to target ter- uh, Terry McLaurin at the same rate Heineke was. So that just, you know, leaves more target opportunity for guys like Dotson, guys like Curtis Samuel.
0: Yeah. So Jahan Dotson's a wide receiver 35. I could see him up into the top 30. I mean, it's pretty nebulous in that range. So if you look at Dotson, you look at somebody else that's two spots above him in our wide receiver rankings and you really prefer Dotson, feel free to go ahead and play him because those guys are, if you're looking at 28 versus 30 in our rankings or 35 versus 32, that is almost never us taking a hard stance on number 32 over 35. Those are, you can consider those guys all basically tied, I would say.
1: Yeah, and make sure to check out the floor and ceiling projections, too, which you can find on your my team page when you're weighing these decisions. Again, it might make more sense to go somewhere with a higher floor. Some cases it might make sense to go a guy with a higher ceiling. To me, what's working against Dotson is I just don't think there's going to be big passing volume from Washington in this spot. But again, there's really not much separating Dotson and McLaurin at this point. And check out
0: that Team Intel page because you'll get specific recommendations for your team as opposed to just trusting the rankings, which, you know, just take the overall projections as opposed to, specifying for your scoring system, adding in the upside case. Um, So yeah, team Intel for the best recommendations. Anybody else from this game? Like, is it worth really considering Curtis Samuel here?
1: I I don't think so. I mean, at this point of the season, I I wouldn't want to trust it. He did average 8.3 targets in those six games with Carson Wentz. Um, And Samuel also, he's averaging 2.5 carries per game this season. Like they're consistently getting the ball in the, in the running game too. So, you know, he's in wide receiver four territory. In our rankings, he's another guy. I I do think the move to Carson Wentz helps his outlook.
0: Yeah. So again, don't overrate the volume from the Carson Wentz portion of the season. I would guess that they like the passing ability of the offense more with Carson Wentz in there than with Taylor Heineke, just based on how things have gone for the team this year. And the sheer fact that they went back to Carson Wentz at all. That said, they didn't have Brian Robinson early. So I would expect more rushing now than what we had early in the season, which obviously hurts the target counts for everybody.
1: Yeah. And again, especially in this matchup, you know, just a much tougher defense against the pass than the run
0: and a spot where we don't expect Cleveland to jump out to a lead and force pass. Right. Yeah. New Orleans at Philadelphia Eagles by six and a half over, under 44 on the Saints side. We've got Alvin Kamara not practicing Wednesday for quad and personal reasons. <laughs> so I don't know if he was thinking about how much his quad hurt or what we'll see about his status through the week. Chris Alave was limited with the hamstring issue that kept him out last week. He's going to be tough for me to start right now, though. He's got one touchdown since week five. He's been mostly just like mediocre to poor on the mm-hmm. yardage front. And this has not been a matchup that has favored,
1: you know, long catch receivers. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Um, you want more of the short range guys against the Eagles. I think Olave is a in the wide receiver three mix, if he plays, and we don't have to worry about the hamstring, which we'll see how that trends over the next couple of days. Um, just six targets per game over his last five um, 42nd among receivers and expected fantasy points over that span 35th and actual fantasy points. So yeah, yeah I, I think no better than a wide receiver three.
0: I think he and DJ Chark are a good comparison because you can look at either guy and say, yeah, either one could come out of this game with four targets or seven or eight I think there's a better chance that Chark hits a ceiling in this game than that Olave does. So I'm going to go ahead and chase that uh, if I'm deciding between them in my lineup. Yep. That's fair. Taysom Hill six plus carries in four of the past five games, nine last week. This should be a solid spot for more Taysom Hill use. Yeah. I think he's definitely in play. If you don't have like a locked in starter, or tight end. Miles Sanders might end up not being in play for us. Now it's too early to know he did mm-hmm. not practice Wednesday, which was a walkthrough. Um, With a knee issue, I haven't seen any explanation of the knee issue, though. I didn't see it pop up from that game where he carried plenty of times against Dallas and was in there until the end. And I checked around before the show as we were getting ready for it. I didn't see anybody saying, yeah, it's a minor issue. We expect him back. Or anybody saying, yeah, I'm not sure about him this week. There's just, oh, yeah, Miles Sanders was out Wednesday. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that's his first time on the injury report all season. The Eagles have been holding some guys out on Wednesday specifically, but they'll they'll usually list them on injury report as rest, you know, not with an actual body part. Um, So we'll see. I mean, if, you know, if Sanders sits, what do you do with the backfield? Does Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell become an option? I mean, it's a good, it's a good spot for the running game. Uh, The Saints run defense has not been good lately. They're 22nd in DVOA over the last five weeks.
0: I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I think <laughs> yeah. I think both Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell would be in play. They haven't shown that they want to hand Kenneth Gainwell mm-hmm. the ball very much. So I would bet on Boston Scott as the rushing leader if there's mm-hmm. no Miles Sanders in this game.
1: I would lean that way,
0: too. I, I
1: also think Gainwell would be the better target bet, though. So I, I might lean in his direction if we're, if we're talking, you know, a full PPR. Yeah, and we'll
0: certainly sort that out as we get later in the week. If Miles Sanders is not in this game. So make sure you check the rankings, check your team Intel page to see where those guys would land in that circumstance. We can expect Jalen hurts to not play again. Apparently um, we'll of course watch for confirmation on that, but it looks like Gardner Minshew should start again. He sits in QB one territory in our rankings. Certainly a lot easier to, to trust him this week, Jared, after he put up big passing numbers for yeah. us against Dallas last week.
1: Yeah. And he definitely benefited from that game turning into a shootout. I- don't think that's going to be the case here. Minshew did play well last week, though. PFF had him ninth in their passing grades. Um, and I think, you know, Philly having a 24.75 point implied total seventh highest on the week, that's kind of what's working in his favor, just this offensive envir- environment and weapons that Minshew has to work with. Um, Philly did lean run last week, though. They were negative 7% pass rate over expected. I would expect the same this week. So I, I don't think you're a ceiling game out of Minshew in this spot. Um, but I, I again, I think he's good enough, and just this offense is good enough, where he, he's going to be okay if you need to use him. And the Saints'
0: defense used to be good, but it's not now. It's not not a defense to alter anything for matchup wise. Agreed. Anything else to talk about from the Eagles side? I mean, you know, there are obviously names, but yeah. I don't think that there's a whole lot to say about AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Dallas Goddard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Goddard is the one people might have questions about. Um, he only got three targets last week. He ran her out on eighty-nine percent of the pass play, so he was back to a full role. the The concern this week is the matchup against New Orleans, who you know th- that, that is a concern. The defense isn't good in general. The tight end matchup is a concern with New Orleans. They're first in adjusted fancy points lot of tight ends. They're first in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Kate Otten is the only tight end to reach double-digit PPR points against New Orleans this season. Um, so that, that, that's why Goddard sits lower in our rankings this week than he normally would. It's not, it's not cause his role. I think his usage is fine. It's just the matchup.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's certainly in a range where he could easily finish behind a couple of guys that are listed behind him, but I think the only guy ahead of him on the list that I would, I'd have to look at our tight end rankings, but Mark Andrews is somebody that I am going to be pushing for moving down our rankings. We'll get to that game in a few minutes. Okay jets at seattle up first though jets by one and a half here over under 42 and a half jared we got mike white returning to this game just like jesus on easter <laughs> wondering if he can bring back the garrett wilson fantasy points but this is not a great spot for wide receivers right. as you alluded to earlier in the show
1: yeah that's the concern i mean seattle's third and adjusted points allowed to receivers you know all, all their corners have just played well all season really um I, I do think getting White back is obviously a big upgrade for the offense in general, for the wide receivers, particularly Garrett Wilson averaged 10 targets in Mike White's three games. He was eighth among all receivers and fantasy points in those games. Now the Jets did throw it a ton. They, they kind of found themselves in spots where they had to elevate the passing bomb. I don't think that's going to be the case here, um, but I, de- I definitely think getting White back, you know, puts Wilson back in like comfortable wide receiver two range.
0: Yeah. I, in getting ready for the show, I was looking through the numbers and I wanted to move Garrett Wilson down. And then again, I looked behind him in the rankings and it's like, well, who behind him do I actually like? And there are just not that many guys. So yeah. here's the case against Garrett Wilson and receivers facing Seattle. The Seahawks have not allowed a double digit PPR score to a wide receiver since week 13, their third toughest on wide receiver scoring for the season by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. No wide receiver has reached 75 yards since Mike Williams in week seven. They have since faced uh, Devontae Adams and kept him to 74 yards in that game. Only three wideouts have reached 75 yards against Seattle all season. Jerry Judy, back in week one, is the only wide receiver to reach 90 yards against this off against his defense. The best, like the biggest part of it, has been Tariq Woolen, their rookie corner, playing excellent as their lead corner in his debut season. Again, Garrett Wilson sits 14th in our wide receiver rankings, and it's tough to get excited about guys behind him to move him down. I think really, when I thought about it more, wide receiver 14 is probably already down a bit from what he has been when the quarterback play has been decent for the Jets. Yeah,
1: for sure. Again, you know, eighth in fantasy points in those three games with Garrett Wilson sixth in expected fantasy points. And honestly, I mean, I know we haven't seen a ton of Garrett Wilson. I think he's good enough to win his fair share of this matchup.
0: I agree. And the other part of that is Seattle has actually been a positive scoring matchup for quarterbacks. So it's not that they're shutting down passing games all over the place. And I would like to think that the Jets could get yeah. Garrett Wilson away from Tariq Woolen if that does prove to be a problem in this game enough to get him the ball, because they certainly don't have other pieces in the passing game that are really scaring defenses. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean the the defense has funneled a lot of stuff to tight ends and even running backs in the passing game. I do think that, that puts Tyler Conklin in play as a low end starter this week. Again, you know, Seattle dead last in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Football outsiders has them 29th in tight end coverage rankings. Um and Tyler Conklin, six targets per game in those three Mike White starts, a thirteen and a half percent target share. So not great usage, but again, enough in this matchup to I think put him in play if, if you're, you know, really hard up for a tight end starter.
0: Yeah, I'm playing him over guys like Daniel Bellinger or Jelani Woods, who we talked about earlier, yep. probably the Saints guys. Uh, but yeah, certainly don't elevate him too high. He's still a low floor, low ceiling guy. The one time he had a big game this year was the two touchdowns against the Patriots. Yep, Exactly. On the Jets side, the matchups are interesting here. I'm going to bring up the adjusted fantasy points allowed page that we've been talking to so we can take a look at it. Let me go over here so I can make sure I'm looking at what I'm talking about. So if you look at the Jets line, and this is a cool thing about this page is you can see a team, you can just scroll across and see how they are against every position. So we'll look at the Jets because they have not been a great matchup for anybody, really negative, as you can see in red here for quarterbacks, negative, not quite as bad four running backs, 24.3% down for wide receivers. So they're terrible on wide receiver scoring. We'll keep that in mind as we talk about the Seattle wide receivers in a, in a minute, a positive matchup for tight ends. So we talked about Tyler Conklin on the Jets side. I think we'll talk about Noah Fant on the um, Seattle side in a minute, but I got a little bit ahead of myself and realized that we haven't talked about bam Knight before we get to the matchup for the Seattle offense It's a good spot for him. Let's go back to the adjusted fantasy points allowed page. And we know Seattle's been weak on running backs. They're way up here at the top. Second best as a running back scoring matchup behind only Houston for the season.
1: Yeah, it's kind of scary to trust Bam Knight after two duds. But again, I just think getting Mike White back in there is going to make this offense functional. And in Mike White's three games, Knight averaged 15.3 carries, 3.3 targets. He was 12th among running backs in expected fantasy points per game. 18th in actual fantasy points per game so now i'm not quite ready to rank night that highly considering like an rb2 but i do think he's a pretty solid rb3 again as you said this this really good matchup against seattle
0: yeah i'm gonna check and see exactly where he is in our rankings right now because he's one of those guys that you, you can see the upside for but you hesitate to rank him too high so he's got mm-hmm. he's at 28th in our PPR rankings, you know, not a high reception floor there, which hurts a little bit, but he's behind Latavius Murray, Rashad white. I could see playing him over either of those guys. Then comes AJ Dillon, Najee Harris. I think that's where it gets to be a little bit tricky and a little bit more personal decision time.
1: Yep. Agreed. I probably would play Zanovan night over Latavius Murray. I would just rather, you know, I think their roles are pretty similar. And I would just rather bet on this Jets offense and this Broncos offense. There you go. Bam Knight moved one spot up the rankings during this show.
0: We'll see exactly where he lands by the weekend, but yeah, it's a good spot for him. And I think that the jets coaches have at least some idea of what they're doing. I'm not saying it's the best coaching staff in the league, but it's not Jeff Saturday. Yes. We can say that on the Seattle side, as I talked about, you know, jets have been a negative scoring matchup for basically everybody except tight ends. I would be able to overlook that some for Geno Smith. If we weren't coming off, a much rougher stretch for Geno Smith than we got used to earlier this season. So even if we get Tyler Lockett back, which surprisingly is a possibility for this week after he had finger surgery less than two weeks ago, even with Tyler Lockett back, I would rather not use Geno Smith this
1: week against the Jets. Yeah. The the Geno Smith magic seems to be gone. I think Um, he's 20th in PFF passing grade over the last five weeks. I mean, the Seahawks have this 20 point implied total. Geno Smith, not not a top 12 option for me at quarterback this week. Yes.
0: Uh, Tyler Lockett will be a tough decision if he is back. I'm not sure how high in the rankings we could place him. And really, I think it's going to depend a lot on what they say about how, I don't know, how safe his hand is, if he's ready for full duty, if they're going to play him a little bit. We're going to have to watch
1: reports on that one. Yeah. Pete Carroll is optimistic on Wednesday, but the Seahawks (laughs) listed. Exactly. The Seahawks listed Lockett as did not practice. Um, I, I saw he still has stitches. He still had the stitches in his hand as of Wednesday. So I'm, I'm kind of guessing he doesn't play. I think he'd be in wide receiver three range for me if he does suit up just because there, there's obviously got to be added risk there. With the hand injury and this matchup isn't great, even if Lockett was at
0: 100%. Yeah, I kind of hope he doesn't play so we don't have that decision to make, but I could see playing him over Jacoby Myers, Michael Pittman, uh, Chris Olave, Marquise Brown in that range if he's active.
1: Yeah, I think that that's where he'd be long, right above those guys.
0: DK Metcalf, you know, we're starting anyway. It's not Mm -hmm. a great matchup for him, but he should get plenty of volume. Noah Fant, I think, is the upside guy, and it helps that Will Disley hit IR, so he's not in the mix this week.
1: Yeah, that helps. Well, like you said, the matchup um, is, is pretty good for Fan, at least, you know, better than it is for for the running backs in the wideouts. Fan, um, though, still, he didn't practice on Wednesday with the knee issue that had him sidelined all last week, and he, you know, even last week after Disley left pretty early in that game, Fan ran a route on just 55% of the dropbacks. He saw only three targets for a 7.5% target share, so if he was healthier, I'd be more interested. Um, And we'll see how he progresses over these next couple days. If he practices some and isn't on the final injury report, I'll feel better about him. But It just seems like he's banged up right now.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly be all over the injury reports the rest of the week. So make sure you check shark bites and updated rankings throughout the week for adjustments to those. By the way, before we move to the next game, Jeff McClain says that Jalen Hurts was throwing at the start of Eagles practice today. So We'll see what that means. If it's just somebody seeing how his shoulder feels, or if he has a chance to play this week, I gotta think that the Eagles don't play Jalen Hurts this week, though, because I really think that that team can beat New Orleans without risking Jalen Hurts' shoulder.
1: Yeah, who do they play? Uh, They play the Giants Week 18. Because all they need is one more win. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm still betting against Hurts playing on Sunday.
0: Yeah, same here. San Francisco at Las Vegas, 49ers by eight over under 43 and a half. We'll see where those numbers go following the Derek Carr stuff. Brock Purdy on the San Francisco side, two touchdown passes in all four of his appearances so far, you know, except for the one early in the season where he showed up for a tiny bit of time. Passer rating over 110 in each of his three starts, 67% completions for the year. I think he's a high floor, low ceiling quarterback in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it on efficiency, eight yards per attempt over the last four games. He's averaging just 26 and a half pass attempts per game. To put it in perspective, Purdy's 35th among quarterbacks in expected fantasy points over the last four weeks. He's 11th in actual fantasy points. He's the third biggest overachiever at the position behind Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. And he's playing well. It's a testament, though, to the offense. You know, the weapons are still good even without Debo Samuel. So um, it, it's a bit scary because because the volume has been so low, and I don't think it's going to increase in this matchup. But I'm also not betting against Purdy having another efficient game. You know, against this Raiders defense, and I think it's probably just going to lay over. You know, with the way their season has ended up here. Um, so Purdy doesn't quite reach quarterback one territory for me, but I do think he's a nice quarterback too. Uh, The Niners have one of the highest implied totals on the week at 26 points. So it's definitely a good spot for Purdy.
0: Yeah, if you lost Jalen Hurts and somebody else has Gardner Minshew, I think Purdy can be a savior quarterback. I would worry more about his efficiency disappearing if we hadn't already seen guys like Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard (laughs) also do those good efficiency things in the San Francisco offense. Exactly. Brandon, Ayuk came back to life, actually got targets last week. So he becomes a better option or at least a more comfy option for me this week than he was last week. And of course, another two touchdowns for George Kittle. I think we'd take another one of those games.
1: How about this? 14% of George Kittle's career touchdowns have come in these last two games. All he needed was Brock Purdy. He's just been out there
0: waiting for him.
1: 14% of his touchdowns in two and a half percent of his career games. I mean, I mean, you can't you, you can't say them after what he's done, obviously. And, and Ayuk is another one of these guys, like in wide receiver three range, where it, it's tough to project big volume. But but I do expect him to be efficient because he's a good player and he's facing a bad defense.
0: On the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs falls down our rankings for the matchup. I still think he's tough to not use because I expect him to get the ball plenty in this one, and I think that he'll be needed in the passing game. We only got eight total targets for him over the past four games, but still eleven. Yeah. 11- Among running backs in total targets for the season. And, you know, barring some report that they plan to alter his usage, I don't have any reason right now to expect a change in usage like the Derek Carr stuff is because if he goes down with a serious knee injury, then they're locked into his contract next year. But if Josh Jacobs goes down this week with a serious knee injury, he's still a free agent in the spring.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we still have Jacobs projected right now for 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 a full workload of that still lands him in like mid to low end RB2 range just because I mean it was it was a bad spot from even before the car news I mean this Niners run defense is just awesome they're their first in adjusted pants points allowed to running backs um the, the passing game volume is a concern for me for Jacobs that it's down as you said over the past few weeks and then you have the Raiders with a 16 point implied total so it's you know, tough to feel good about Jacobs touchdown chances so to me it's only the volume that is you know keeping him in play as an RB2 play this week
0: uh, I agree with that. I would still play him over Pacheco, Kenneth Walker, Nick Chubb, and probably DeAndre Swift in our PPR rankings. Not I. We'll see if anybody else uh, supports that on staff. I we, always, we do this throughout the week, by the way, either on or off the show. So make sure that you check your team intel page through the weekend for the final resting spot for these guys. Because, you know, we get the projections out to begin the week. But there's always stuff that you learn throughout the week, including the injury stuff um, that can change things, even just how you think about a player. And, of course, the biggest change for the Raiders this week, Jarrett Stidham in for Derek Carr. And I wish that the team would just, like, come out and tell the truth and be like, listen, we don't want to get locked into Derek Carr's contract (laughs) beyond the season. So we're going to sit him for the final two weeks because that's obviously – the motivation here. There's no other reason to go to Jared Stidham, who stunk so bad that the Patriots are like, "We'd rather have you leave town, and we'll keep 36-year-old Brian Hoyer as our backup quarterback."
1: Yeah, I think Stidham is is very likely bad. We, we were talking. I don't think he's Trace McSorley level bad. Might be. I think he. I think he. He can keep Devonta Adams afloat again. Adams is a guy. I'd lean towards sticking sticking with in fantasy lineups unless we get a report, you know, on Sunday that his snaps are going to be scaled back in this game. I would lean away, and again, I don't expect
0: anybody else to have their snaps scaled down because they they're locked into Devonte Adams next year either way. So, I mean, it just doesn't it wouldn't make sense to me to just sit, you know, a few choice players. Not only is there no upside to, you know, beyond, I guess, avoiding catastrophic injury, but you're also telling the rest of your team, you're not that important. It's only these guys that matter. So I'm going to rest them for these final two games that you still have to play your hardest during. I am leaning the other way. I would rather not play Devontae Adams if I have worthwhile options this to me does it pretty close to the deandre hopkins with trace mcsorley situation last yeah. week and i think the key difference is Devante adams is the one guy that the 49ers know they need to stop like they can just if they try to stop him from getting open then there's nothing to worry about in the raiders pass offense and a big part of Devonte adams's game is catching tight quarter passes like he'll, both Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr will give him chances even when the coverage is right there that's not going to be a Jared Stidham play so I I hate the downside risk I would rather play Drake London Brandon Ayuk and maybe DJ Chark over Devontae Adams this week
1: I mean Adams is good at contested catches he's good at a lot of stuff I mean to me he's he's still one of the five best receivers in the NFL um I I, just, I still think he's a pretty good value bet. the Niners by the way they're they're 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. I mean, we just saw Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson have good games against this defense. Um, so again, I, I'm am ju- just betting on Adams' volume and talent, and then sticking with him. It's definitely a downgrade. He's in like low end wide receiver two territory in our rankings, but I I, I wouldn't go as far as you know someone like starting um, Drake London over Adams this week
0: two catches for 15 yards last week, four catches for 28 yards the week before three for 71. The game before that I'd be more willing to stick with Devonte Adams. If we hadn't already seen examples of him letting us down in the situation with a better quarterback. So for me, the, 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 I, I don't care how the 49ers are against wide receivers for the season. I think that they're a good defense overall, and this will be the first time that they face Jared Stidham.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I and mean, let's not throw out Adams first. Uh, 12 games or whatever, when he was, he was a monster.
0: Uh, even in that stretch, he had some down games. So, you know, obviously anybody can look back and see the wide uh, swings in his production. But for me, because I already know that it's possible for him to disappoint and now he's playing with an awful quarterback, I, I would like yeah. to bet elsewhere um, for floor. I, this is a, the spot where I'm going to go ahead and bet on floor. Cause I'm not scared of missing out on a big ceiling for Devontae Adams. Fair enough. Rams at the Chargers, unless you want to talk about any other Raiders pass catchers, but I figure they're
1: out. They're out, yeah, and that includes Darren Waller, who was a shaky play, even if it was Carr under center. Um, his volume hasn't been good in his two games back. His route rates haven't been good in his last two games back. So t- for me, with uh, Stidham under center, Waller is definitely a-, a bench for me.
0: Rams at chargers chargers by six and a half over under 41. I guess the odds makers didn't watch the Rams bust out on offense last week. Cause this is just disrespectful. Really though, Jared, I'm treating last week mostly like it never happened for the Rams. Uh, the big production for cam Akers and for Tyler Higbee came absolutely out of nowhere in that game.
1: Yeah. Um, now I, I'm a bit disappointed we weren't a little higher on Akers last week and not that we could have called that game. Um, but you know, we did, I think, mention on the show last week that he, he did set a season high in snap rate in week fifteen and basically matched that last week, playing seventy-five percent of the Rams offensive snaps. Also ran a pass route on sixty percent of the pass play. So he, he pretty much got feature back usage last week. Um, now the positive game script and, and a Broncos defense that quit led to the big game. Um, I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna get either of those things in this game against the Chargers. But I I you know any running back playing 75% of his teams offensive of snaps and getting most of the passing game work, I think it is worth starting at some level. The Broncos were favored in that game.
0: Like the, the way that that game went came completely out of nowhere. So yeah, I would yeah. have liked, like in hindsight, I think it's easy to say, man, Cam Akers probably should have been a little higher. Tyler Higby probably should have been a little higher, mm-hmm. but the way that that game went was at, was completely um, not predictable. So You know, we'll look at the things that did go right for the Rams in that one, and I do think that there are corrections to be made on both Akers and Higby. I would say Akers, especially because of the things that you just mentioned, he has been dominating backfield work lately, and this week they get a Chargers team that should be a lot better than they are, but hasn't really been playing like it. Like they barely got by the Colts on Monday night against a team that was trying really hard to lose that game to him. Akers has scored in three of the past four. He's been over five yards per carry in two straight. We talked about Zach Moss going over five yards per carry against the chargers on Monday night. Chargers are allowing five and a half yards per carry to running backs for the season. So there's definitely some upside to cam acres in this game
1: for sure. Yeah. Um, I I do think the Chargers' defense has been better lately. It's it's really been the offense that's been letting them down. Um, They're they're still 16th in uh, football outsiders' run defense DVOA over the last five weeks. They're actually sixth against the pass. So that's kind of where they've improved more. I do still think it's a good matchup for Akers. The the downside and why he's not higher in our rankings is just I still don't trust this Rams' offense. You know, the bookmakers don't either. The Rams having a 17.25 point implied total. Um, So I still think the the ceiling is capped on acres, which sounds crazy after what he did last week. I think he's more of a floor play guy who's you know going to get fifteen to twenty touches.
0: Yeah, and he, like I said, he did still score multiple times over the previous few games as well. So there, he certainly has a chance to score, but don't expect anything close to the ceiling of last week. Tyler Higbee. Yeah. I think is also in play. The, the chargers have been a negative matchup for tight ends on the season, but Derwin James looked like he's going to miss this game with a concussion. Mm-hmm. The Titans tight ends caught six passes among nine targets with no Derwin James in week 15. in that matchup week 14 also had no Derwin James, the dolphins didn't do anything with tight ends. Cause they forgot that Mike Gusecki exists this year. <laughs> and also their quarterback played like butt in that game.
1: Yeah. I mean, Higby's 12th in our, PPR rankings at tight end Um, so he's definitely an option Um, you know he saw 11 targets last week but he had eight total targets the two previous games in Baker Mayfield's first start so like don't don't go overboard with Higby Um, I do think he's probably the best bet to lead the Rams in targets this week but you know I wouldn't be surprised if it's another you know five six target game for him
0: Yeah, best bet shouldn't be mistaken for definite leader in targets because we could also get a game where Van Jefferson leads the team in targets. We already had the Ben Skaronic blow-up game when uh, Baker Mayfield was fresh off the plane. So this is not an offense to actually predict things. It's to more take educated guesses. For sure. On the Chargers side, wide receivers are fine. They've been fine when they're healthy. Justin Herbert has not been fine. Tied for (laughs) 14th in fantasy points per game for the season. Under 15 fantasy points in two straight games, one touchdown pass or fewer in four straight and six of his past eight. There should certainly be some rebound on those touchdowns because he's been better than that overall. But we can't ignore
1: a stretch that long of disappointing touchdowns. Yeah, he has a one point seven percent passing touchdown rate over his last four games 5.1 percent over his first 45 i mean he's averaging 313 passing yards over his last four games he just hasn't thrown touchdowns um he's he's just too good and his his weapons are too good for me to you know bet on that continuing i I, i'd feel fine sticking with herbert as my as my starter this week
0: The Rams are the sixth toughest matchup for QB scoring by our adjusted fantasy points lab, but they're just 20th in pass defense DVOA. So I think somewhere in there, you get kind of a neutral matchup for Herbert in this one. I would go ahead and play him over Gardner Minshew toss up for me though, between Justin Herbert and Kirk cousins cousins looks like the higher floor option between them for me. And then I'm playing Jared Goff, Dak Prescott and Trevor Lawrence over Justin Herbert this week.
1: Yeah. Dak and Lawrence for sure. Um, Goff and Herbert, I can go either way on. I mean, you sit down and do projections, I think Herbert's going to come out higher. But like do need... <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd like to see how they come out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think Goff's a better touchdown bet this week, um, so I'm, I'd i be fine pulling him over Herbert.
0: Anything else from that game?
1: Keep an eye on Austin Eckler, who it looked like he hurt his knee late in last week's game and then was limited in Wednesday's practice. The Chargers, I mean, th- they clinched a playoff spot last week. They're either gonna be the five six or seven seed, so I you know, I don't know how much they care about this game, so I think there's a chance Eckler is held out I would I would go pick up Josh Kelly if he's still available I think I think he'd he'd be an okay fantasy play if Eckler ends up sitting and watch those Sunday reports because that's where we can get stuff like hey,
0: expect Austin Eckler to have his role limited today. yep, for sure. Minnesota at Green Bay, Packers by three over under 48. <laughs> Vikings are pretty straightforward. We've got Adam Thielen down in our wide receiver four territory yeah. in our rankings. We had KJ Osborne turn back into a pumpkin last week, and TJ Hawkinson is a very easy volume bet at a position with little that we can count on.
1: For sure. Yeah. I think Thielen's tougher to like just when we've had these games recently where Hawkinson pops up for a big one, Osborne pops up for a big one. Like you know, in the past, Thielen's kind of been like the clear number two guy behind Jefferson, but that's not the case anymore.
0: Kirk Cousins has averaged 47.7 pass attempts over his past three games, 299 plus in the yardage category in each of those nine touchdowns. He's averaging 39 and a half pass attempts per game for the season. Also threw for 277 and two against the Packers back in week one, despite Minnesota winning that game pretty easily. So to me, Kirk Cousins looks like a fairly high floor option this week, certainly a higher floor than Justin Herbert versus what we've
1: seen lately. Yeah, two seventy-seven and two against Green Bay back in Week One. Also, we had three forty-one and three against them in his one game against the Packers back in twenty twenty-one. He missed the other one. Um, both those games came at home, so you know he he was indoors. Um, he'll be outside in Lambeau at this one. I guess my you know my concerns for Cousins. Green Bay's first in Football Outsiders' pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. so you know, they've remained. Um, bad against the run. So we could see a bit more of a run lane here from Minnesota, even though there has been a pass-leaning offense for most of the season. Um, Vikings also just 22.25 implied points, 13th on the week. So I, I Cousins is okay. I don't think it's going to be another ceiling gain for him here, Um, but I do think his floor is fine. I, there should be some points scored in this game.
0: I'm okay with modest confidence for Kirk Cousins this week. And I don't like – The thing about those past three games is they were they had lots and lots of points scored in them. I don't think the Packers are capable of scoring lots and lots (laughs) of points. So if there are a good number of points scored, I think the Vikings are going to be in the lead. And maybe that works against the passing volume. I don't think that there's shootout potential for this game. The weather, you know, it's going to be colder than if they're playing inside for sure. But Mm -hmm. the current forecast is 34 degrees. So it doesn't seem like it's going to be the kind of weather that really alters what we should expect. Yep, that's fair. Vikings have lost three straight against the spread, by the way, five and two (laughs) against the spread in seven games before that. So we'll kind of see which Vikings team shows up. Maybe that um, determines somewhat how the uh, the game flow goes. The Packers on the other side have covered the spread in three straight one and seven against the spread in the previous eight games favored in six of those eight games. They're favored in this game. I'm a little bit surprised by that, but they are at home. So I guess it makes sense. The injuries will be worth watching. We'll get to Aaron Jones in a minute, but Aaron Rodgers did not practice Wednesday. And we've seen this before. He's dealing with the right thumb thing. He's also listed with a knee issue. Um, we've seen him miss Wednesday before. I don't think he's in danger of missing the game, but this is the first practice that he's missed since week 13. So Maybe that means between these two issues, he's more dinged up right now than he has been over the past few weeks when he really hasn't been that good.
1: Yeah, we'll keep an eye on the knee thing over the next couple of days. Um, You know, on on paper, it's another good spot for Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings past, he's been, been bad all season. Actually, four of the last five quarterbacks to face Minnesota have finished top 10 on the week in fantasy points. Packers also have the fourth highest implied total on the week, but um, you know, Rogers just Rogers has had good spots the past couple weeks too, and just hasn't delivered. And the big thing working against him this week for me is Christian Watson might miss this game. Um, did not practice on Wednesday after missing the second half of last week's game against Miami. So if, you know, if Watson's out that, you know, takes, takes a lot of the upside out of this passing game. And Aaron Rodgers takes the rest of the upside out.
0: Hasn't hit 240 yards in a game since week nine at Detroit. So there's just no ceiling here. Uh, Aaron Jones is the other injury that matters limited Wednesday. He hurt an ankle on the first carry of the second half against Miami. He said played through it in that game, had limited work overall for the game. He's also playing through a knee issue and he's been listed with multiple injuries on the injury report ever since week 10, the last full practice for Aaron Jones was in week nine. So it's fair to guess that he's pretty banged up yeah. at this point. And Jared, Uh, Dr. Jesse, who we've had on the show before, I saw a video from him this morning about Aaron Jones dealing with the shin injury, which he said in his video is probably a shin splint or stress fracture. I think he said a shin splint kind of injury. That injury came in week 11, I believe week 10. So week 11 on is when he's been playing through that. Before that injury, he was averaging 13.1 carries per game, 5.6 yards per carry, a 118 elusive rating over that span. That was fourth best among all running backs with uh, 30 plus carries since the injury. Four yards per carry, down from 5.6, 11.2 carries per game, a 30.7, a 37.8 elusive rating. So now he's near the bottom of qualifying running backs over the recent stretch. Clearly he has not been performing at that top level for him. I certainly think that that's a reason to worry about him this week and a reason that he sits relatively low in our rankings.
1: Yeah, that's a similar injury to the one Antonio Gibson played through last year. And, you know, his efficiency stuff was way down, at least from what it was during his rookie season. So you said um, Aaron Jones suffered that injury on his first carry in the second half. Even in the first half, A.J. Dillon had out carried Aaron Jones three to two. And out targeted him two to one. So, you know, D- Dylan, even you know, for the past couple of weeks, has been mixing in, you know, quite a bit where this is like a 50-50 backfield split at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if it leans even more towards Dylan in this game if Jones is banged up. And I do expect Jones to play because this is a must-win game for the Packers. Um, but, yeah, I, he's, he's definitely a risky fantasy starter this week. And, I you know, I wouldn't be opposed to anyone starting A.J. Dylan over Aaron Jones if you have that decision.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking maybe we should flip those guys in the rankings or at least stick both of them together uh, mm-hmm. right behind Cam Akers. Najee Harris, who we'll get to in a minute, is not somebody that I'm reaching for. So maybe I'm starting either Packer or that guy. Yeah, that's fair. Anything else from this game? I mean, you talked about Christian Watson a little bit. I think we can yeah. kind of wait and see.
1: Wait and see on him. And I do think it matters for Alan Azard. Um, You know, and. Lazard played seven games this season before Christian Watson emerged as a full-time player in this Packers offense. In those seven games, Lazard averaged 7.3 targets per game on a 20% target share. Um, He was 20th in expected fantasy points among receivers in those seven games, 17th in actual fantasy points. And the Vikings are dead last in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So it's a good spot for Alan Lazard. I think he's a nice wide receiver three if Christian Watson sits this week
0: he's never somebody that I look at in a given week and think, Ooh, it's Alan Lazard week. I'm always like, Oh, do I have to use Alan Lazard? But <laughs> I can certainly see the upside path. And especially if Christian Watson's out. Yep. Sunday night, Pittsburgh at Baltimore, one to go to bed early Ravens. Yeah, why two and a half over they under flexed, a three, five they and half. Flexed this What? Wait, what?
1: <laughs> they flexed this game to Sunday night. like, <laughs> like, 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 like we want to watch it.
0: I thought you were saying, why go to bed? I was about, that was a (laughs) word there for a second. Yeah. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's still not practicing. So he's probably not involved in this game. And that keeps me from betting on anything Baltimore side. Mark Andrews is the big name worth talking about at this point. I I would move him down the rankings from where he currently is three catches 36 and a half yards per game with Tyler Huntley this year. And we still have, you know, last year's big games with Huntley to talk about, to look at, to consider But over that stretch, Tyler Huntley averaged 35.4 pass attempts per game in five games where he got starter level duty this year, 22.8 per game in four. So that's the biggest thing. And then you throw in inefficiency in what Andrews is getting. He's just not a guy to bet on right now.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm not factoring in last year's Andrews-Huntley stuff at all at this point. It's just Andrews has a 48% catch rate with Tyler Huntley, which I just can't imagine that staying that low. He's still averaging six point three targets in these Huntley games, which isn't a great number, but it's still, you know, a pretty solid mark as far as tight ends go. So um I don't know, to me Andrews sits as high as he does in the rankings just because I don't feel great about anyone else behind him. Not, not that
0: I feel great about Andrews. I would play everybody down through Pat Fryermuth
1: in our current rankings
0: over him, which would put Mark Andrews tenth at PPR.
1: Yeah. And I mean those guys are separated by six tenths of a PPR point. So yeah they're they're all super close. All right, so check back and see if
0: I su- if I succeeded <laughs> in getting Jared to push Mark Andrews down the rankings because there probably are some that are making decisions on guys oh, within yeah. their range. Certainly not a matter of being excited, I agree, but I think that there's more upside to Pat Fryermuth in this same matchup than there is Mark Andrews, and I'm not scared of missing out on a ceiling with Andrews. Yep. On the Baltimore side, still split backfield bit. J.K. Dobbins last week, we knew that that was the case. We know that that's the risk with him. Continues to be the risk here, and this is not a boom spot for either Ravens running
1: back? Yeah, it's not. I mean, Pittsburgh's second in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Um, but Dobbins has been for 120 yards and a score against them back in week 14 on, on 15 carries. Um, and, you know, he's, he's remained super efficient. So um, he's in RB3 range in our PPR rankings. He obviously climbs in non-PPR and half-PPR. Uh, but again, you're, you're you're definitely counting on the efficiency continuing because he's probably not going to get more than 15 or so carries. And you know, he's basically a zero in the passing game. He's basically exactly
0: the same as Deontay Foreman.
1: Yeah, I think he's better. But that, that's that's about it. I think that the, the, the roles are pretty similar.
0: I think he's a more talented player, but he's also had knee surgery within the past two months. So, I mean, that probably balances it out on that front a little bit. Maybe again, the efficiency has been off the charts since he came back. Yeah, but for other guys, off-the-charts efficiency is something that we correct downward, and then we doubt them going forward. Yeah, Dobbins also
1: averaged six yards per carry as a rookie. And again, if you look at our projections, we're not projecting him for the 5.7 carry, yards per carry's average so far this season. That, that's why, if we were, he'd be in RB2 range.
0: Najee Harris, on the other side, a much better bet, four touches. Bad matchup for him, though, too. I mean, yeah. I know Tyler Algier put up yards on the Ravens last week. Maybe Najee yep. Harris puts up yards this week, but he didn't have a great matchup with them last time and hasn't done a whole lot for most of the season. So he's one of those, he'll get enough volume to still be in the picture plays, but not somebody I'm right. excited about this week.
1: For sure, yeah. His usage and I think his play has been better lately. Um, you look at the last four games, 17.3 carries per game, 3.3 targets per game. He's 16th among running backs in expected fantasy points over that span. But he, he sits much lower than that in our rankings this week because of the matchup. You know, Baltimore still the, the best run defense in DVOA over the last five weeks. Um, Najee, 12 carries for 33 yards and a touchdown against them back in week 14, caught two of three targets for 17 yards. I mean, um, you know, that type of game is definitely within range this week. And, you know, if he doesn't score, he's going to hurt you.
0: Yeah. And we had the big target game last week and Kenny Pickett's return to the lineup, but we haven't had many of those. Otherwise he had zero targets the game before he had three, one, and one, the three games before that. So we should not bet on big target volume for Najee Harris, even if we can still consider that it's possible. Yep. That's fair. Elsewhere on the Pittsburgh side, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, the names. I think Pat Fryermuth coming back to life last week is definitely yep. worth noting. Seven catches, 66 yards on eight targets. The Ravens matchup has been neutral for both tight end and wide receiver scoring on the year. So I think it's a solid spot for Pat Fryermuth, especially if we don't expect Najee Harris to find much success on the ground.
1: Yeah, an 88% route rate for Meath last week, and even the week before that, he was back up to 70%. So we have two straight games now of him playing enough to make him a pretty comfortable fantasy starter. Even if you, I don't think the upside is big, just because just because this game's going to suck.
0: Deontay Johnson should be comfier than he is, but the return of Kenny Pickett last week brought an 18% target share, yep. and target share has really been the only reason to play Deontay Johnson.
1: I'm hoping he goes all 17 games without scoring a touchdown. That'd be that'd be fun.
0: (laughs) He also is dealing with an injury. I mean, he played through it last week, but you know, it's just one more. Like, if you don't want to play Deontay Johnson, there's one more reason not to.
1: Yep, for sure. He he's a classic guy. Like you weigh against like DJ Chark, where I think I think Johnson's safer, but I think I think Chark easily beats him on upside. Especially, I think Chark is
0: easier to like now that we did get that 18% target share for Deontay Johnson last week. And the target share has been an issue for Johnson with Pickett um, earlier this season as well, where he's gotten a lot more from Trubisky. Yep, for sure. Monday night to close it out. should be a quick one. Buffalo at Cincinnati bills by one and a half over under 49 and a half. And I'm playing absolutely everybody. The current forecast even is like, yeah, we're not going to mess with this game. 58 degrees, like uh, no rain currently. We'll see if that changes by the weekend. But I mean, this looks like a spot where we should get lots of points. I'm even a little surprised that this over under is lower than Detroit's.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I think there's some respect for the Bills defense, I guess, for the Bengals that just have a 24 point implied total, but I'm definitely not running away from any of the usuals here. I think on the Bills side, I think Dawson Knox is the fringy guy that I'd I'd lean towards playing at this point. He's averaging 6.7 targets on a 21.5% target share over his last three games, and his route rates have been strong, even dating farther back than that. Um, So Knox has kind of reemerged as a pretty key piece of this Bills passing game. Yeah,
0: so he's in the range where if I'm deciding between him and Mark Andrews, maybe I lean toward Mark Andrews' targets. But even so, I wouldn't argue with anybody that wanted
1: to Mm -hmm. take a shot on Knox's upside there. Yeah, yeah, Bengals have been pretty tough against tight ends, but uh, still not a matchup I'm really afraid of for Knox.
0: Bills have topped 30 points in two straight. So we had some touchy spots there, mostly when Josh Allen was dealing with his elbow injury, but not really worried about that aspect now. They're fourth in scoring for the season. The Bengals have been up and down in how many points they put up, but sixth in scoring for the season. So, you know, we got two top six offenses. We should have plenty of points. It should be a fun spot for fantasy.
1: Yeah, and the Bengals side, the one thing I'm looking for is, I don't know if Tyler Boyd re-injured his finger last week but his routes were way down and that's that's what led to Trenton Irwin having that two touchdown game he seemed to you know play over Boyd in some spots last week so we'll get the Bengals first injury report later today Um, but Boyd is someone even in the spot I'd, I'd probably lean against using Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly watch for that to see if there is an injury explanation. And you can certainly keep an eye on Team Intel and the rankings the rest of the week, as well as the Shark Bite section to see where we adjust these guys and what comes out on the news front. That's going to do it, though, for this week 17 preview edition of the podcast. You can head over to draftsharks.com now to see our full rankings and to see that Team Intel page I've been referring to, see exactly who we'd recommend for your specific starting lineup for championship week. Jared and I will be back tomorrow for our usual DFS shows. We're going to hit FanDuel. We're going to hit DraftKings. We're going to hit drafting on both Underdog and Sleeper. Jared, I need a rebound week on Sleeper because Geno Smith didn't oh. go so well for me in those lineups last week.
1: Oh, Matt, I, I had a sweat on Underdog last week. We'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Oh,
0: all right. Nice teaser for that Friday show. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaafson. Thanks so much for swimming with us.